I have I have an empty cereal box like um in the kitchen and I could just get some of my extra cables and like plug a bunch of stuff into it, make a joke about how do you get these cereal ports to work? Ah, mm-hmm. <sighs> it it's funnier in my mind and it might be funnier on Twitter, but uh yeah, when I explain it, it sounds dumb. Also also not funny along with that same line. You could, you know, get the Sharpie out and write uh, like RS232. Yeah. On, on it, you know. It says RS232, but I can't get it. It's uh yeah, the is the bod set correctly? I don't know. XOR on or off? 8 and 1, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, you'll be reading it. Might need to work on that one. <laughs> yeah. My my best takes are the dumb takes, so I'm just going to throw it out there. Coming up in this episode of Linux User Space, Dan hops up on the soapbox... We expand on nothing? Is Linux vulnerable? We peer through the steam. Microsoft is buying a snowstorm. Leo is crazy about chromium. Our plug prize with a crowbar? And we mind our P's and Q's. Hello, and welcome to Linux User Space. I'm Dan. And I'm Leo. Well, hey, Leo. Um, I, please, I, I'm, I'm hoping you can indulge me for a moment here, please. I, I want to jump up on, on the soapbox. I've spent my afternoon building it. Please, okay. hop up. Th- thank you very much. I, I want to take a moment here and... Um, offer a life suggestion for folks if you're going to um be critical of something uh oh please make your <laughs> observations constructive because i believe anything that is not is unproductive noise well i would imagine it gets ignored but can it like does it does it mean something to someone um and and and, and if it's unproductive are you really pushing whatever it is you're you're hating on uh forward if if you just directly throw shade at something that someone worked hard on um are you really going to get the result you want i would imagine no i mean you just end up in a situation where you're very unlikely to get taken seriously yeah i i mean i agree with you so i mean i'm i'm going to say that like if you're going to be critical of something then uh Really, you should offer some some constructive points to go along with your your critical nature. I, I think we try to do that here on this this podcast here, mm-hmm. and, and so I'm I'm not speaking about us in particular. I mean, I try hard for that, right? So if I ever come across as some someone that absolutely shuts something down, I didn't mean to. Let me let me preface that. Dan, you're too nice. I don't think I've ever heard you not give constructive criticism. There's always been a, I don't like this, but maybe this is the answer or something like that. That's the worst kind of criticism yep. I've ever he- heard you give. So um, yeah, I feel like you've not fallen afoul of your own. Well, that's good because I, I, 
I, I try hard for that. And I, I feel like um, if we want others to advance, which is truly what you probably want when you, you get to hating on something, right? Unless you, you're a troll, right? Well, I, mean, I guess you could be. And, and well, how is that um, going to uh, help, you know? your society members, um, I guess. So if you, if you really, really want something to be, you know, better than it is, um, just saying it's garbage, it's not going to make it uh, better. I don't think. And, and someone worked hard on that. I mean, so, you know, you, you shot them down. Um, they, they took a, they took a fall there. Um, are they going to get back up and are they, and are they going to be the same as they were? Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Life lots, right? I mean, think about those things, I guess. Is 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 this something I can ask what project it is? I've just noticed some uh, a couple of different projects actually. Um and okay. and, and, and I'm I'm not going to say where it came from, but I did respond to a tweet recently that um someone kind of was was on the same of the same mindset that I am, I think. Um but was feeling a bit down because of people that were not constructive with their with yeah. their critical nature. And so they felt like they were wasting their time, I guess, in the open source community, perhaps a little bit. Yeah. I, I think it knocked them back a little bit and they came back up. But um at least I right. hope so. But but I mean when that happens the the twelfth time, I are, are they gonna keep are they gonna keep caring enough to come back and come back and come back for that kind of abuse? I guess, you know, uh, th there is not an answer to this. I think we actually broached this subject early on in season one, and I I, I still feel the same way I do uh, I, I did back then today, which is I don't think you're ever going to not see that stuff. I think when you're on a platform like Twitter or any other social media platform or even forums or discourse or any other place where anybody can sign up and, you know, just say whatever they want to say, right? I mean, they might get moderated or not, mm -hmm. but yeah. they, they can still say what they want to say. And a lot of times that, that sticks around for a little while and there's about 600 screenshots of it and it'll be on mm. Imager in short order. <laughs> like, so I don't think... You can get away from that. Oh, I don't think it's so toxicity. either. It's toxicity. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. That's, I guess, it's just, it's the toxicity that I think people in the open source community, people in every community, I think, yeah. have long since lamented, but you're not going to get away from it. It's it's a symptom of something larger um, because the vast majority of people don't know that they use open source, I would imagine. I mean, look at Log4J. I mean, that, that no, yeah. ripples a, across everywhere well, well all right so wait a minute what if it's not even open source what if it's it's a commercial product or um like anything else like some human being somewhere created it right and worked on it True. And worked hard and they might have got paid for it but that doesn't mean they didn't like what they were doing and weren't passionate about it i guess True, true. And I think the the issue with that, though, is that it's the problem of the Internet. And I think I think a lot of this is the problem of the Internet. It's just anonymity in general. Mm -hmm. And while on Twitter, you're not really anonymous. I mean, well, really, pretty much any message board, you're not really anonymous, but you have a screen name sitting between your real name and them. Yeah. And if in a commercial project, if you have a situation where, you know, the developers aren't even named because that happens a whole lot. Yeah. 
that criticism has to go through two filters before people on either side actually realize they're talking to people. And so the people throwing shade, it's very easy for them to just go as hard as they possibly can on that. I'm not saying this is a good thing in any way whatsoever, uh, but that I think that this this veil of anonymity is what gives what what emboldens people to say the worst things on their mind. Um, and with open source, though, you're closer, and yeah. people don't turn off that filter when they go from you know two, three, four levels um, separated to you know when you go to an open source project, you're not really. I mean, a lot of times it's just a person yeah. working on a project. And they still get the same level of of uh, uh, vitriol. Is that yes. can I use big, cool, big words that, that, now? That like, is the word. Yeah. Right. Like I mean, you get the same amount, and so there's there's very little buffer whatsoever. So I mean, it's it's not a good thing. Yeah, you often are directly interacting with someone that is is right. creating creating you know what you're using. Right. And, and and in other cases, you know, the, the larger the company is, the more developer advocate type folks that you have to go through before you ever hit the developer. I mean, but it's not like the developer of insert commercial product here doesn't see those tweets, too. Mm-hmm. So, right. I mean, so the, the damage, I would imagine, is the same. But you know, you're a little closer. Yeah. 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 The creator, even if they're they're not named, probably is reading that and does know that it happens. So, you know, they're hurt just the same. It's a tough egg to crack. Yeah. Because it's it's you're dealing with people mm-hmm. and there's no one real answer to any of that. Other than just be excellent to each other. Yeah, so. exactly. I'm I'm not <laughs> saying don't be critical of a thing. Um right, because of like certainly, you know, offer some feedback. I think that is how we do get better, right? Yeah. Yeah. Dumping on something is different than providing actual feedback actionable feedback actionable this didn't work but maybe it could be done this way i mean it it doesn't you don't have to write a dissertation about it right you you just number one i mean don't dump on it Mm -hmm. (laughs) just be nice on the internet guys (laughs) i think that's it like talk to them like you would your friend i mean uh, okay Uh, that's that could be a very bad example because some people talk to people well, I do pick up my friends, but like I, it's joking, right? Yeah, right. I mean, if if you were going to give them real, actual construct relationship advice or something like that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you you wouldn't go on a thirty minute uh, diatribe just dumping on that person, right? I mean, right. You would you would try and really help somebody out. Uh, so it's it's the same kind of thing, right? Just have some empathy. These folks are working for you essentially for free. Yep. Uh, a lot of times, a lot of times, even if it's commercial software, you're paying for it. But still, I mean, they're working for you. So, right. uh, you know, be nice. Be nice. I think uh, I think the crux of it is you'll get more in return if you are nice and are constructive with your feedback um, rather than, you know, just just going after someone. Yeah. 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 Just don't be that guy. All right, Leo. Um, we well, we went for two hours in our in our uh, or almost two hours. Uh, I'll, I'll clarify <laughs> uh, it, it, in our NixOS uh, episode, but we did gloss over a few things, mostly because of time. Y'all, y'all have no idea how much I had to cut out of that, and then it was still a show that was. Uh, I, I feel like that show was still a little too long, but I mean, it was it was mm-hmm. good stuff. We we covered what it we was needed good. to cover, but. 
Yeah, we did. It was it was long. It was long. So um, we actually had some feedback on on Reddit, which um, I haven't put in the show doc, but um, I will make sure to add to the show notes about our episode from the release manager of mm-hmm. uh, well, for the last few releases, honestly, um, of NixOS. So one of the things that we wanted to touch on was Nix in a professional setting. Um, because that is, that is something that seems to be in use and that feels, that feels like that, um, certainly adds a lot of merit to the project. I think in, when, when you take that and you start using it in a professional setting, I think that that changes things. So Mm -hmm. the first blog post, I guess that I'll, that I'll reference here is from AT&T in, uh, in Israel and how they used Nix, not not Nix OS per se, but they use the Nix packaging mm-hmm. to you know basically package their application that they were developing, so it could have reproducibility. And so I'll, I'll make sure to reference that. I think when you see a company as large as AT and T that is utilizing something like that, that that really kind of you know. Sets at home. Well, you have a lot of folks that, um, I mean, that that do a lot of development all of the time, looking at Nix, and I think so that that's that's going to push it forward more and more and more and more. Uh, the more people that understand what it actually is and then start to utilize it, um, it's just going to get better. And I mean, and the Nix language itself is going to get better with more eyes on it. You'll have more constructive feedback. Yeah. <laughs> and and you'll take that and use that to make Nix better over and over and over and over again. Yeah, because one of the things that does get hammered on a lot is the documentation. So I guess the more people that use it can offer more documentation. And we did talk about this. Um, you know, they sort of chose not to add bad documentation. They just sort right. of, you know, maybe left it out. But I they yeah. certainly do encourage pull requests and uh, things like that nature. So if you have something that you can offer up to help um, document these things, I'm sure they'll be accepted. Yeah, and in in one of the the more recent versions of uh, Nix Nix two dot maybe it was four or five I can't remember, mm-hmm. but the the documentation was all converted to Markdown to make it easier for people to actually contribute to that as well. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, more community and people-focused changes over at Nix to make it better and better. Yeah, that's good stuff. The other thing I'm going to reference here is a tweet from uh, Mitchell Hashimoto, um, who switched his uh, primary development environment to a graphical NixOS VM. Uh, He's running that on his Mac, so don't, don't be too hateful on that, but well, so was so was the first article. Yeah, so yeah. was the first <laughs> article. I mean, I didn't want to turn it into macOS user space, but um, I he's running he's running a VM basically on his Mac though. So I mean, I guess that that's you know he's running Nix OS, so he's running the actual OS, but he's running mm-hmm. it in full screen. So uh, you know, it's very native looking probably at that point, right? So I I found that really interesting because if you don't know, uh. Mitchell Hashimoto is uh, the founder of HashiCorp and the creator of Vagrant, Packer, Console, Terraform, Vault, Nomad, Boundary, Waypoint. Those are all some really big names in the DevOps uh, community. 
Um, and I'll and I'll highlight Terraform here for a minute because I probably know the most about that one in particular. Um, it is very declarative in the way it works. So its infrastructure is code, and it's basically defining your machine, but like not just machines, could be virtual machine, could be containers, could be whatever, whatever there's an API with, um, and there's a lot of them. It basically is the creation tool. Like you run the, the, the tool on your local machine. It goes out and connects to whatever remote thing that you're running it on. It could be local, but it typically is going to be remote. So it could be like Linode or DigitalOcean or whatever machine, or it could be your own VMware, whatever. Um, and it'll just, it'll just create the thing. And then you can take it from there with different automation, but not to get too far down the road. Point is, it's declarative and that mindset falls right in line with Nix and Nix OS. Yeah, it's it's as hands-off as you can possibly get with everything here because, I mean, and you, you'd slap it all together and automation. Yep. Everybody, automation. Yep, and it'll always be the same. It'll always get created the same. So it's reproducible. So th- those are those are a couple that I really wanted to um, bring to light. And they all came out of links that were in a blog post by Marty Henderson that was titled Using Nix as a Professional. So I, I thought it was a great blog post and it really talks to, you know, using it in a professional setting and that was that was something that we wanted to highlight that we didn't really get a chance to. Yeah. I'm also going to put an article in in a uh, link to an article that uh, came out after our show, which I wish was before our show because it would have been great for research. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. So they it's it's an article that talks about uh it's called the the curse of NixOS, right? So it's it talks about um all of it, it it's a critical piece, but it's done in a, in a a savory manner. So about, uh, Nix OS, or at least I thought so. What what were your thoughts, Leo? Well, I mean, this is kind of exactly what we were talking about in the beginning of the show. This is the way you do constructive criticism. Mm -hmm. Use something for a good long time, uh, enjoy it, dislike it for its, its various, you know, blemishes and everything else. And I mean, the, the end, uh, the, on the whole section that he's got at the very end I mean, he's not dropping NixOS or anything, nope. but there are some things that he can see that would be better done if this, if that. Um, so yeah, this is this is constructive criticism done right. So if if you if you were curious what we were talking about, if you wanted an example of the good constructive criticism that we're talking about, this is pretty much it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, good stuff. I mean, it, it, there are some shortcomings of Nix and Nix OS. There are some uh, really fantastic things. I mean, we covered a lot of the fantastic things about Nix OS in the last episode. Um, but it's worth a read. I really think it is worth a read. I think so. I think it's good. I'll I'll make sure to have a, a link in the show notes. And I've got another link here that's uh, that's titled uh, "Built with Nix," and, and this looks like it's actually from the Nix project, uh, from the best I can tell. Um, it you know it looks very official looking um to fall in line with that so that's something else to uh, go read um and you picked up on uh flakes yes uh so flakes was something that was added in nix 2.4 
And I mean, it essentially adds reproducibility to things that aren't native to Nix and NixOS. But I mean, that that super short summary doesn't really do it justice. There's a video by John Ringer that uh, really goes over what it is. And 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 I think the more important part is how to use it. Yeah. So that's uh, if if the Nix episode or if Nix in general is something that you're interested in, uh, I think Flakes will be a, a really nice addition to what it is that you're doing. So go check that out. That one's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel like it's taking those and going a step further even. So, mm-hmm. yeah, good stuff. One other link I'm going to throw in here is from the discourse. And uh, basically that is the Nix uh, release schedule and roadmap um, topic. Uh, they actually kind of, I, I think we did talk about this really briefly, mm-hmm. that they changed the release cycle. Well, they they did for Nix OS. And, but they also did Nix, the, the, the package management stuff. Yeah. They wanted to, in well, decrease the time in between releases. And I'll, I guess in doing so, you make your changes smaller, probably, right? And, but you're doing more of them, more releases. So they, they shortened the cycle on those things. And um, that was, th- there's a discussion on it, you know, leading up to it. Yeah. One of the things that really stuck out to me was that they were going to uh, make sure that the master branch. So, so you know, you go mm-hmm. to Nix and you go pull Nix, like, one of the things that they were trying to make sure of was that Nix, no matter when you get it, is stable. Whatever it is, if, if you just said today at the drop of a hat, we're going to release Nix, then it's going to be releasable. As in all of the crazy release candidate changey stuff that might break things are not going to be done directly on the master branch. Right. So when you pull Nix, whenever that may be, it's going to work. So this is also part of the whole release cycle and and roadmap that they were planning on. And so they did talk about that a little bit, how that made Nix like ready when they wanted to release it. It was, it was, they were better prepared for it and they had less failures because of it. So, right. um, I think that was good, good move. And I think they've got a good, um, very stable idea mindset behind all that. So, um, one more thing I want to note here, and that is everything in Nix is defined and declarative, even the organization itself, right? So things start with a request for comment, RFC, and that happens on GitHub. And there's all different, there's there's a whole bunch of rules that, that follow with that, or some there's some reading that goes with that. But it comes from the community, and, you know, you create a pull request just like you do Looks just like you would with code, basically. Um, and and so all of this stuff gets defined and it gets entered into the in into the log, if you will, as time goes on. And so it makes the organization itself, I feel like, declarative, just like everything. So it it is a mindset. Yep, and it's community focused. So mm-hmm. yeah, if, yep, if you want to get involved, go check it out. So one last piece of feedback. Uh, we got was, so I had put out a question, you know, <laughs> you're going to use the latest audacity or nah, right? Because we had the whole telemetry thing happen around 3.0, whenever that was. Um, and there were a lot of people that swore it off, but I've never, um, I've met a couple of people that just absolutely would not. Um, but we got some feedback from Nate saying, uh, you know, he'll just trust what's in the open repositories. Um, 
and yeah, I mean, it's kind of the end of the discussion. But I, it was, I wanted to follow up on that, and I asked, what if your distro, OpenSUSE in this case, started shipping the most current Audacity? Would it change your opinion? And by that, I mean, you know, no changes. I mean, if, if telemetry is on by default, then it's on by default. Would you would you try and avoid that? And he responded, no, because I do trust what the OpenSUSE community does with their software packages. If the cruft was left in, meaning telemetry, there would be quite the outcry and OpenSUSE would consequently fix it. So, um, yeah, uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, on the, I'm in the camp. I don't care. Just ship it. Just ship it, telemetry on off. I don't care. I, I can turn it off if it if it bothers me. It does bother me, so I would go turn it off. Um, but I did actually run the app image the other day, um, and it does inform you that mm-hmm. it does. they will that they will send um, some basic usage, but none of it's personally identifying, and it it even gives you a link to where to go turn it off if you don't want it. Yep, all the um, things they said. Yeah, I mean, so yeah, uh, it's fine. I don't particularly care one way or the other, but um, I am, I am curious what you think. So you know, keep them, keep them coming. Yeah, absolutely. Let us know. Dan, the sky's falling. It's falling. Uh, I'm, it's over. All right, Chicken Little, what's up? It's over. It's absolutely over. According to CloudStrike, Dan, have you read this one yet? There has been a thirty-five percent increase in Linux malware. Over the course of 2021, when you compare that to 2020. So what, we went from like 9 to 14 or something? Yes, obviously. obviously. (laughs) (laughs) You you compound this with, uh, in teaser, last year reported that there was a 40% increase going from 2019 to 2020. So we've got a trend here, Dan, and that trend is... Uh, Linux is going to the uh, trash heap of history because there's going to be so much malware on Linux that no one's going to be able to use it because they're just going to crypto mine you. Well, that's that's well, going to be the wait, deal. Well, wait a minute. How much did malware itself increase, I wonder? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't think that's a question that any of those uh, articles actually broached, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sure it, it, it's definitely increasing, and uh, it is becoming more of an attack vector. Log4j, Dan. Log4j. Ah. It's, it's terrible. It's go, it's, it's gonna, it blew up the whole world for, like, two weeks. People didn't get a Christmas because of I Log4j. Okay? I don't think they got a New Year's either. Yeah, and it's still broken. Well, they, they, they keep fixing <laughs> it, so there's that, right? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, no, there is definitely a, a it, it's a trend, but I wonder if that's just not because it's getting used more or more people are paying attention or I don't know. Take your pick, right? Well, I, I think I think a lot of this stuff when you when you when you sift out it sift through the weeds, you realize that the malware on Linux is not on desktop Linux, and a lot of times yeah, it's not even on server Linux. It's on IoT Linux. Yeah. It's on these little operating systems that basically don't ever update. Ever. Yeah. yeah. And, and they're shipped with like kernel 2.6. From the beginning of this little uh, topic, uh, I, I don't feel that way. I really don't feel like this is anything that anybody in general needs to worry about unless you know that you're running a ton of little Linux gadgets. So, ah, but they're in so many things that you don't even think about probably. And that, and that's the, the crux of the problem. They're just, 
so prolific uh-huh. everywhere uh-huh. that you, you just not you just don't know. Dan, do you agree with me then? Just stop buying stupid IoT things. Well, that could help. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, buy as few of those as you can. That's the solution, Dan. That, that's how we decrease Linux malware uh, across the globe. I mean, stop buying you... those dumb light switches. All right, okay? Leo, Just... if you've got a food allergy, <laughs> you're probably going to take the can of soup and read the, the, the label for the ingredients on it. I think you probably should be doing the same sorts of things with the stuff you buy. Like, you know, as far as electronics. We all have a malware allergy, okay? We are yes, all we allergic to it because it will destroy us if we allow it to sneak in, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to be careful with this stuff. And you, it, it is worth looking it up. It is worth digging into it to find out what it is that this particular device runs. But At least as much as you can. Like, not, not everybody's got the, the technical aptitude to be able to do that, but... I think that was going to be my point. Yeah. One of the takeaways, though, is that anybody should be able to do is if updates are offered, you should be doing them. When's the last time? And this is not to you, Dan, because I imagine a week ago is the answer or something close to it. When's the last time you logged into your router and you updated the thing? You mean my my PF Sense box that? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, the thing that that notifies you that you can actually automate it to notify you or you, you could just automate it to update. Yeah. I think that, it was a thing. week and a half ago. I see, I knew it. I knew it was about a week. So, <laughs> right, I mean but but there's there's the the same people that don't necessarily have the technical aptitude to yeah. flip the box around and realize what Linux kernel's running on the thing are the same people that tend to just install their Netgear uh 49.99 special router and then never touch it. Again, no, it gets slow ever. or something's not working right. And right, you go to, and the answer to that is just throw it away and buy the little yeah, the you, the Nighthawk, whatever. Yeah, you just go yeah. buy another one. Yeah, and and I mean some of those, but you got to pay more for them. This is why I single out the forty nine ninety nine special. Mm-hmm. A lot of those now are doing automatic updates, or and I've seen this on Netgear, uh, they force you to install an app on your phone to update the thing, and I assume that app will nag you eventually. Hey, there's an update. Bad things can happen if you don't do it. You should probably do it soon. Um, but it's so easy to just uh, ignore. ignore that message and or never de- send them to me again. Delete that app, because that's yeah. annoying. Yeah, actually, yeah, I need that. <laughs> I need that eight megabytes back, okay? Right. Just get that app out of here. Get it out of here. Yeah, I got to install Wordle or something. Hey, listen, that gotta have space. <laughs> gotta have space for things. Yeah, so it's it's mostly IoT stuff, but I mean we're we're we are seeing more and more just yeah, general malware on the desktop too. So we are. there's a few things. Generally it's overblown. I really don't think you need to worry. Like you and me, desktop Linuxy folks, don't really need to worry too much. If you're running a lot of IoT, as Dan said, go update the stuff. Because it likely has one. I mean, if it doesn't, uh, consider upgrading, maybe? Yeah, know. right. Yeah, it is annoying <laughs> that it, you don't get notified, um, I guess, in a respectable manner um, about some of those IoT things needing needing an update. Yeah, well, I mean, a lot of times you just don't even log into them to know. Right, that's But if what it's I like mean, a yeah. camera or something, you know, when you're when you're watching the feed, it needs to be like, Hey, you know, you should probably, you know, click on this link, go to this login, and then, you know, yeah, click the update button. Yeah, even a little icon button. or something, right? It's just not too yeah. annoying, but just a little something. 
Yeah. So, you know, another another episode of Tinfoil Hat Leo telling you to update stuff. That I mean, it's true. It fixes Do a lot it. of problems and it's very simple. <laughs> so, so I guess the, the, the next question is, if you are concerned about this and you do run only, let's say, desktop Linux or a, or a mm-hmm. Linux server or something like that, what would you do to protect yourself? I mean, is ClamAV an option? Is that is that enough protection? Should we be using something else? What, what's, what's your take on that, Dan? How would you protect a Linux desktop or Linux server from all of these weird malware things? Like ClamAV is... Really just antivirus stuff. That's probably not going to help you in the malware probably too much. Right. So I mean, it, it, it might have signatures for the stuff. Uh, but maybe? I mean, yeah, you, I feel like once ClamAV has come to your rescue, it's already too late. The thing is already installed. ClamAV scanned and found it. How long has it been on your system? (laughs) I feel feel like most of those antivirus things are great if you are in a shared environment where there's Windows. And so, so like you're, you're, or, or Mac, like you're just serving up files for those people or those machines. Yeah. That, that's really where ClamAV shines. Yeah. Yeah. You're scanning those before they get to somewhere else in the chain. Right. I don't think they're great about, like actually protecting the system they're on. So I don't know. I haven't heard too yeah. much from the Microsoft camp. What about Defender? Well, um, so that's it's still not quite available for Linux on the desktop. It is mainly for the enterprise customers, but it will happen. So, you know, I wouldn't be fully opposed to it, but um, I guess if Windows Defender is successful on the Linux desktop, you know that the other companies, McAfee, Norton, Avira, Avast, all of those are going to be coming over too. Well, and you know, it's a great thing. Do. Like, so Sophos is one that does have... Oh, that's right. Does have endpoint protection. Yep. Right? But you know what? You know what's going to come over is Norton 360. And they just unveiled a... Um, well, that comes pre-bundled a, with the, with the uh, malware right in it. No, it's not malware, Dan. It's, it's an Ethereum uh-huh. miner. Built-in comes with a wallet. Let's you just mine with your GPU right off the bat. You just install Norton 360. Uh, maybe one day it'll be available for Linux. Sorry, Linux folks. You can't install Norton 360 and mine Ethereum with Norton 360 at the moment. But surely, right? Because they launched it in June of 2021. So that's, that's great. That's great. Yes, that's wonderful. If you run Windows, you can at least, you know, do that. Protect yourself that way. Mm, that uh, sounds the opposite of protection. Well, I mean, no, no, no way. You, this way you get paid, right? You get you get lots and lots of money, and you can buy NFTs with that money. Yeah, and, and like we discussed earlier, I doubt at all that Norton is benefiting from from any of this that you're doing on your machine. Look, they take their cut. I'm sure they do. There's no way they wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of ETH to be made, okay? And so um, I imagine they're taking their cut. Yeah. So the the Norton LifeLock Group acquired Avira as well. So if you're using Avira on Windows, you still get uh, that. That happened back in December 2020, and they added the crypto mining services to Avira in October of last year. So, you know, if you're using Avira, you're not any better off. That makes me cringe. I want to tell you because that 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 stuff coming. Dan, just go get some Ethereum, okay? Just, I didn't you, mean you, that that was bad. I just <laughs> meant that it came bundled like together. Like, if you want to do that, that's fine. But like, let's not bundle those things together. That's the opposite no. of what that's supposed to do. 
this way we know it's definitely safe because it comes uh, from Norton, who is definitely safe. Yeah. Definitely. So, but really though, back to the original question, which is what should you do? And and it's have good web surfing habits. If a huge website that you frequent that you are generally understanding that it's safe gets infected with something that then uses some kind of weird Java craziness to infect your system, well, I mean, well. Yeah, so I guess you got like DNS tools like uh, Pihole maybe it, it, right. it, that you could deploy or AdGuard or even if you just change to – you know, uh, Quad9 or Cloudflare's uh, DNS, like they do some basic filtering for some of those things and they'll keep you off the, the bad malware sites, you know, because they they have a protection for that. So, But but even if you don't know how to change your DNS, I think just not going to shady looking sites, clicking well, on every helps. link that you can possibly click on. Yeah. I feel like changing your DNS is not that hard. It's it's not. I think in general it, it really isn't. But setting up something like a pie hole might be well. Might yeah, be setting a, it up a, maybe a few steps. Above. Got me on that one. But like <laughs> Cloudflare and uh, you know um, Quad Nine are both free and right. um, very robust. Very robust services. Both of them. There's others too. And and Quad Nine does a little bit of that um, DNS. Uh, I guess black holing. I guess you could they call do. it. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a good solution. They both have family, like they call it a, a family uh, protections, if you will. So Got it. it blocks malware and, um, you know, some of those adult type things that you don't. Yeah. Yeah. So where the where all the bad stuff hangs out. Well, you know, when you go to the, the websites and there's like 17 and a half pop ups, this is a website that I'm mm -hmm. talking about. Don't go to that website. Those are shady. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. <laughs> Look, I mean, to, to be to be quite honest with you, though, I think the single most thing, the, the single best thing that you could possibly do is install something like uBlock Origin. You, mm -hmm. Installing an add-on is way easier than changing your DNS, I think, because you type in uBlock Origin and specifically uBlock Origin mm -hmm. and install that on your browser. Bingo, bingo. You're already in a situation where a lot of the websites that would be harmful are already blacklisted. That's super easy to do. I mean, outside of don't click on shady links, don't uh, copy paste. By the way, don't copy paste terminal commands from the Internet that start with sudo. Well, actually, you know what? No, just don't copy paste terminal commands because with cool JavaScript magic, you can make the command look like, so when you oh, yeah. highlight the command and you copy it, what gets copied to your clipboard is actually something different via JavaScript wizardry. And then if you are like a lot of folks, you just paste in the terminal, smack enter, type in your password, call it a day. You don't even review the the actual command that you put in. There's um, line return detection now where... Uh, it'll just strip that off so it doesn't automatically hit the enter key for you, essentially, in the terminal. So you're, mm. you know, whatever you're doing, automatically done. Uh, so that's that's getting better. But, you know, just wow. what you need to do is just not copy-paste commands. I, type I, them out. Just yeah, type them I, out. I guess if you were going to put it in, like, a text editor maybe beforehand. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, just paste it in a text editor and just, like, make sure it looks like it did on the screen. And then, yeah. then, then maybe you could do that copy paste thing. I guess. 
Yeah, uh, especially if it's a long one, I suppose. I get you, you got me on that, right? So you probably don't want to yeah. type it all out, but do look at it. Like, make sure it's the thing that you you saw on the screen, and it was it's it's the way it was. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, like the other thing you got to worry about though is email. Probably having um you know images turned on by default and and that sort of stuff because some of those can send telemetry back to where they were sent from. Yeah. There are other problems with email clients like Thunderbird and things like that, but uh, automatically loading images and JavaScript and all other kinds of craziness is not one of them. Those, those, Those types of clients do a really good job about stripping, well, not stripping it out, but preventing it from running in the first place so that all you get is the text of the email. And if you decide... Oh, I do want to see that uh, image or whatever yeah, that they sent me the because you've dis- you've determined that you trust it. Then, then okay, you can load it. Yeah, don't do it by default because well, the other thing that it'll do is it'll uh, it basically feeds their click rate or you know True. lets let lets them know you opened the message so that your mail account is active so that you're gonna get more spam. Right, because <laughs> these people aren't sending you the actual image; they're sending you a link to the image. That you have to load from a remote server. Yeah, so, and, it, and, it, yeah. and it might even be a, you know, a hashed uh, URL that is specific for you. And so they know you, you opened that. Yeah. Yeah. Tracking pixel. Gotcha. Oh, gross. So, yeah, be careful with those, too. Right. So I guess the, the moral of the story is that Linux has got eyes on it now. That means that people that are writing malware are at the very least considering also mm-hmm. including linux i mean they're not going to they're not going to take their focus off microsoft or windows or server or anything like that that is target number 1 but linux is now on the menu yep so what it means is the general advice that you would give to someone on windows is the same advice that you should take for yourself be as safe as you possibly can on the internet. Don't click on random stuff. Install an ad blocker. If you are technically apt enough, I would really recommend installing Pi-hole and using that as your DNS. Mm-hmm. And just generally be safe on the internet on Linux because we are not immune. No matter what anybody tells you, we are not immune to running malware, getting our files all crypto locked up and, you know, getting extorted for, you know, a a ton of Bitcoin or something like that. So just be careful on the Internet. So this next topic, uh, Leo, has me super duper excited. You're in line, aren't you? You're ready. I'm patiently waiting, patiently waiting. I'm I'm in quarter two of 2022. Okay, so what does that mean? That's going to be from like, April to yeah, March, like, April. Okay, on May, all right. Maybe I hope not. Maybe before that, before June. Oh, cool. So I, I'm waiting for my Steam Deck. That's what I'm waiting for. And big news came out recently that uh, it looks like the the easy anti cheat stuff is going to get full support. There's been a lot of banter about this and a lot of naysayers talking about how the Steam Deck's not going to launch EAC in time or, or get it get it supported in time for the, the big rollout of the you know general availability of a Steam Deck. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Take that. It's out. It's, it's here. here. It's ready. And this is coming on the heels of, back in November, BattleEye yep. Anti-Cheat is supported as well. So these are the two big players. Those are, those are big, yeah. In the anti-cheat 
community? Do you call that a community? I don't know. Whatever. Mm, no. <laughs> so the anti-cheat folks, these are the two biggest players out yeah, I there think so, as yeah. far as I know. And now they're both supported. So that uh, what it what did um I think I think Valve claimed a hundred percent compatibility, or did they claim ninety nine percent? I can't remember what the original claim was. It's really high, though. I mean, it may not be a hundred percent, but it's like right up there, right? Yeah, but 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 with EAC now being supported, you're getting really close mm-hmm. to that number. So I'm excited for the. You know, I, again, I think when we first talked about Steam Deck, I I didn't really want to buy a Steam Deck for gaming. I wanted to buy it so I could have a second screen and a computer and you know all this goodness and stuff. But you know, gaming is just a nice artifact of having a machine that is also capable of gaming. So I'm I'm excited for it, but uh, it's not my main reason for wanting one. Uh, so Dan, I mean, you you plan on playing lots and lots of games? What what would the first game you play be? I'm not sure. Probably whatever whatever the latest one I'm playing at the time with with Steam. Okay. But I there's a couple of games I really want to take on the road, if you will. Oh. And um Stardew Valley, isn't it? You gotta farm your farm. I don't have Stardew Valley, <laughs> but I do have Valheim <laughs> and that one probably oh. is one I want to take on the road, right? I feel like. Um which is I guess along the same lines, just different looks to it, right? right? You yeah. know. Yeah, you're building your 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 community if you will more beasties to slay though i would imagine oh yeah there are there's definitely more beasties to slay oh yeah and some of them are tough and so having having that where you had 10 or 15 minutes at a time i think would be good because yeah i wouldn't have to wouldn't be quite so tied to my computer chair maybe right so with valheim that's on a server and the server remembers progress right yeah well it stores it in your uh um steam online Save, oh, so it's a cloud game. save. Yeah, you're, 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 it can store it either locally or in your Steam cloud. Wow, that's super cool. So. Uh, and that, that actually uh, that, that makes a lot of sense, and that's really, really good because the Steam Dynamic Cloud Save thingamajig will now sync I know. between your PC and the Steam Deck. So... Yeah, so it doesn't matter what I pick up. I'll be, I'll be at the same place. Yeah, you can sit in your comfy computer chair and play a little bit, and then you need to go to work or something like that. Take a quick break in the middle of the day, and you know, hack away on something in uh, in in Valheim land. That's super cool. So yeah, that's one I really want to be able to take on the road and and have ten or fifteen minutes here or there, and maybe in you know, yeah. So that's 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 kind of that'll that'll be fun. Um, I got a couple others too. Um, that wouldn't that are like that, right? You know, where mm-hmm. you you play 10 or 15 minutes at a time and save your progress and then you can get back to it again later. Would So that would be good. Yeah. I, I know I would really enjoy it. Uh, you know, if it were solely a gaming machine, I know I would really enjoy it because I end up playing a lot of uh, Nintendo Switch stuff. Yeah. Same concept. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's, it's handheld. It's a small screen. But... You know, something about it, uh, being able to just go around with you and you can just set it down, get some work done, and then get back to it, is just really nice. So, yeah, I, I really am looking forward to getting my hands on one of these one of these days. Um, but, yeah, as I said before, I think I'm going to wait, um, Dan, probably after you get yours and mm-hmm. it doesn't, like, burst into flames in your hand. I think well, uh, that'll be that'll be the trigger for me, and I'll, I'll get in line because I imagine there'll probably be a line out to 2023 by the time I get in there. Maybe I, 
I, I, I've been seeing a lot more tweets with people actually playing actual games like right now. So those. Yeah. God were, of War. I saw I saw yep. um, there was a whole lot of hubbub about God of War, God of War. working. That was a PlayStation exclusive now available on Steam, which is then ultimately available on the Steam Deck. And so I guess it was playing very well, too, from what I saw, um, you know, the, the short little clip. Yep. Um, it looked great. So that that's interesting. But I've been seeing a lot of tweets for a lot of different games. I think those early, the early batch that went yeah. to like developers or whatever. I don't know how you get into that select group, but the, the, yeah, the, the polished people, the people that are going to take <sighs> it to that ninety nine hundred percent game compatibility. Yeah, those people. Well, they've been publishing some things on on Twitter. Um, so uh, I've a lot of hubbub, and it's been good, and it's nice to see that much activity. So. I feel like that that brings the confidence level up a lot. Heck yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, j- just the fact that I saw God of War, which is a game I never thought I would see on PC. Well, PC period, right? L- yeah. Let alone Linux, let alone the Steam Deck on uh, Linux on basically PC. Yeah. It's, it's fantastic. This is amazing stuff. It just, mm, I love it. I love the kinds of progress that we're starting to see now. I, a lot more to come on this, and I'm super excited. Super excited. I am too, because there's there's one game that that I've been playing a lot, but I have to go to Windows to play it. But you know, it, it's it's become my Xbox OS. That's how I treat it. I mean, mm-hmm. I log into it so I can play some games, and then I get back into Linux to do all the editing and stuff. But um, Forza Four, I didn't buy the new one. Uh, I really I really don't like paying full price for uh, oh, just yeah. release games or whatever. So I, I wait a little bit. But so I got Forza Four and all the all the craziness, all the DLC and everything. And I've been putting hours and hours into that game, but it doesn't work very well on Linux. I think uh, mm. last I looked on ProtonDB, it was, and I bought it through Steam, um, it was a silver, which is, it's not great. I mean, if yeah. it's gold, maybe. If it's platinum, maybe. Like, there's still some, you know, little issues yeah. with, with platinum, platinum stuff. But just kind of works. Yeah. Yeah. With, with silver. Yeah. Uh, you got some. S- yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean. I know, I know they're working toward this, you know, 100% compatibility, 99% compatibility, whatever it is. But one of the kinks in the plan is that uh, Microsoft they uh, they entered this space again mm-hmm. by acquiring Activision Blizzard. Ha ha! So that that throws a little kink into my World of Warcraft plan uh, because <laughs> because it's a BattleNet title, which is owned by Blizzard. And I want to know, I want to know now, I don't think the answer is available. I don't think anybody knows the answer to this question, but I want to know now whether or not Battle.net or at the very least World of Warcraft will be able to be run on Linux in a year or two. What, what I'm seeing, what I expect to see in this is all of the Blizzard titles are going to be wrapped up in the Xbox game pass thing where yeah. you pay nine dollars or fifteen dollars or 20, whatever it is yeah. to access all these games like launch games games day one things so i mean it's it's a it's a really good value for the dollars that you spend and now that microsoft has acquired activision blizzard you know i don't care about the activision titles i care about the blizzard ones um now that those are part of uh, our microsoft property they didn't outright support linux blizzard blizzard they didn't outright support the right. linux they- but they didn't actively try to break it either. That's true. There were devs 
that actually ran on Linux. That's why it ran so well. So will that continue to be a thing? I mean, I'm assuming not, but I, don't I would know, like Leo, for Microsoft, it too. Microsoft um, hearts Linux, right? <sighs> they, they, they heart <laughs> Linux. They do. I mean, it's, it's what that image they put out that one time said. Yeah. I mean, well, the internet went abuzz then, didn't it? So, I mean, if if that's true, right? If that's true, then the answer to the question that I'm asking is, yeah, sure it will. I don't we're know. Not gonna, we're not going to actively <laughs> break it. We're, we're probably not going to actively develop for it, but we're not going to actively break it. Well, let's hope for that as a best case scenario, because I don't think it's yeah. going to go any further than that. Right, because because that's good enough, man. Because I can run it through, uh, you know, using DXVK and Lutris mm-hmm. or or Proton or one of these, I can get it to work. So I'm not really that worried about it. But it will be th- this for me is one of those true litmus tests of what it means, what that image actually meant. Microsoft Heart Linux. What does that actually mean? Because well, they love money, and they'll 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 cater to anything that brings the money in. Right. The the sense that I have gotten, because I don't see Office on Linux. You weren't going to see Office on any computers if Microsoft has their way. True, true. The, true. They, they are moving to the cloud platform method where you pay a subscription fee. Mm. Well, I mean, I, th- I think a lot of folks said that about Windows 11 or the successor to Windows. And I you think know, Office has a leg up on that. Right. I mean, we've seen a lot of success from folks, well, like Google, right? Google and their Office Suite platform is pretty popular and there are no desktop apps there. True. True. So I I feel like it's going to go that way. Right. So they're, I don't, they won't exclude, but they won't be on any platform. I think that's that's my prediction on that. Well, I guess generally the, the, the sense that I've gotten about that image is maybe it just means that they're not actively trying to murder Linux anymore. Yeah, that sounds more <laughs> accurate. It really does. They can, they can make money off of it. So, you know, there's no sense in murdering it. I, I guess the more the more business savvy way to say that is that uh, the love that Microsoft has for Linux extends really to just Azure and cloud tooling. So, mm-hmm. you know, if, if, if it's something that they can take advantage of in the cloud, you bet Microsoft hearts Linux. But will that extend to... Forza 4 and Forza 5 being uh, Linux think, native. I don't think they care will, about that, no. Will will it at least work, you know, 99% of the way in yeah, Proton? Right. Will, will they will they, you know, crush um these these games that they have just acquired through Activision Blizzard, you know, Call of Duty and World of Warcraft, Diablo, things like that? Are are those going to are they going to love Linux enough to give a port to Linux or at least ensure that it runs using uh, Wine and DXVK or Proton or something like that. Yeah. So this this is what I'm getting at. This, this is this is the true litmus test to whether or not Microsoft hearts Linux. And if so, because they do a little bit, but in what capacity? That's a good point. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so I'd be interested to see how that turns out. I'm excited if I'm I'm my my cynicism and my sarcasm is proven to be a hundred percent wrong, and I just get to be the guy that was being ugly on the internet. You know, <laughs> I would love to be that uh, for for it to be that, but I don't know. I still have my doubts, and I guess we'll have to see in a year or two what the state of these properties are. 
in Linux. I guess you have to go into it with a cautious but optimistic viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they heart Linux. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take them at their word. So that means I'm going to believe that is true. And we will see what happens at the end of 2023 with all of this stuff. Hoping it's good. I'm hoping it's good. So uh, one other thing that you love, Leo, is Chromium and uh, in the way it scrolls. Dan, I'm going to borrow your soapbox, okay? All right, you, jump you up. Had, you, you had your social soapbox now. I'm going to – it's it, less it's, social but more soapbox. It's got to be your turn. I'm, I'm going to spend some time talking about Chromium. Okay, y'all know how I feel about Chromium. I, I, I think uh, it, it's a monoculture. It's not a good thing, I think, in general for the web that um, Google and anybody that works on Chromium gets to kind of define how the web works and not to, not to speak of the bugs that might be catastrophic. Log4j, right? Log4j is not a Chromium thing, but something like it could oh, exist yeah. because everybody's using Chromium, right? So scrolling. I thought I was crazy. I I thought, and I mean, really, I, I thought maybe, well, maybe it's just Ubuntu-based derivative distributions that, that act like this. But since I started this show, I have very quickly come to realize that no, Chromium works this way on every single Linux platform that I have used up until today. And it's it's never, it hasn't changed. It hasn't sped up. It hasn't slowed down. Scrolling in Chromium, and this is this is only to people using the scroll wheel on the mouse. If you're using a trackpad, as as I have in the past, it works great. You know, you can flick mm -hmm. up and down, and things work pretty good. If you're using some other kind of, I don't know, maybe like a like a scrolly ball thing that you can like flick, and it does that whole rolls for a while thing, it probably works great there too. This is again just for mouse wheel on a mouse. Why is it so slow? Why is it? Such a chore to speed it up. Those are those are the two questions that I, that I want to investigate and figure out what the deal is. So I thought maybe that uh, it was just Linux is lagging behind Windows, and I don't mean for this to be such a Windows reference heavy show because you know it's kind of been. Um, yeah, I guess so. So I'll th I'll throw Mac Mac into the mix too mm -hmm. because yeah. Mac has sane scrolling as well. I, it's different. Mac scrolling is way different. Um, that takes a little while to get used to, honestly. But super duper like accelerated and stuff. But you know the the it's just different, right? And I guess the point I'm trying to make about that though is that it's not slow. It it's can not slow. be no, slow. No, no. Like like Mac does this thing like when you're scrolling super slow, it moves super slow. But if you're scrolling super fast, it like you know, throws you way down to the bottom of the page. So there's but there's a nice in between, and you get to kind of you get a feel for that. Yeah. In Windows, it's pretty consistent, but you know you you do one large scroll on your scroll mouse, like from front to back, mm -hmm. and I mean you're halfway down a pretty massive page if you're not careful. So there's some acceleration in right. there. In Linux, that's not the case on Chromium. Firefox, starting with like version 91, 90, 91, fixed it. It is very much on par with the way that Windows behaves. Windows mm. is actually a little faster than Linux, and I do kind of appreciate that, but it's fine. I'm 100% on board with the speed that Firefox and Linux is scrolling. Give me more of that. You please. know, the other one that's great is, and we, we talked about this before too, was Gnome Web. Oh, get out of here. Gnome Web is fantastic for scrolling. That is really nice. I mean, it's Gnome Web, so it's not quite as full-featured as the other browsers. It's pretty good, but it's not full-featured. We'll just say that. Right? doesn't have everything. 
But boy yep. scrolling is fantastic there. A hundred percent. Actually, not 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 only that, you get that um, that that's uh, the same as in Mac, right? Like yes. on a trackpad, if you flick it, oh, that thing will just keep going and going until you stop it. So it, it's it's great. Scrolling is, in my opinion, a non-issue in Linux, but it is in Chromium, and I don't know why because it affects every single Chromium browser. That includes Chrome, Chromium, obviously. Yeah. Brave, Vivaldi, and anything else based on the Chromium engine. Which They're is just about all of them. Yeah. Slow. Okay. So I, I started this topic off talking about how I thought I was crazy. And I'm not. I'm absolutely not. And it took me a little while to dig. I, I think I've I've done every variation of why does Chromium scrolling suck so bad. Um, so I finally found the magic combination to stumble upon issue number five. To one two one one in the Chromium bug tracker, and oh boy, did this absolve me of any internal guilt and doubt that I was having about complaining about Chromium scrolling. But let me just preface this: its status is closed. Oh, it's marked as won't fix. Mm, that's so painful. So I am in no way just thinking that Chromium devs will come back and fix this for me. I, and I know, I know that there are things that you can do to change the speed of Chromium scrolling. I know that there are add-ons. But, but number one, d listen to this. You have to install an add-on to make the scrolling sane. Okay, it's already too much. Like and imagine, imagine syncing this add-on with any other device, especially if you're on Windows or Mac. Oh yeah, and then that's the scrolling go well. is all out of whack. Yeah, okay, that's that's gonna be fun. And there's a there's a, a another. And by the way, those add-ons break with new Chromium versions. Those add-ons break. Oh yeah, they, that's a pain sometimes. And so so like, I, it's not lost on me that the add-on is there. I used to use one until it broke, and so. I get it. There's an add-on. You can fix it. And then there's um, there's an application that you can install on um, on Linux that you can control the scrolling speed. So not every desktop environment has the ability to accelerate, decelerate. You know what a scroll actually means on the mouse. But uh, and I forget that the the name of the software eludes me right now. But um, but you could install it and you could basically uh, change the speed. Well, that's great, except for when I go into Nemo or some other file manager or something like that, and I scroll, and then I'm like a thousand like lines down, and I'm like, what even happened? I do not want to change the global speed of scrolling. Yeah. That's not my intention. It's a, only an issue in Chromium. So the add-on, obviously, was the best choice, but sucks when they break. So what do you do about this? Well, it turns out... August 14th, 2015 was when this bug was opened and it's titled Linux scroll speed is too slow. I thought I was the only one. And no, no, it turns out that there are a lot of people, a lot of people that are upset. And there are a lot of people that have just enough knowledge to be able to log into the Chromium bug tracker and submit a bug. Huh? So you could just imagine how many normal people uh, <laughs> don't like the speed of the scroll. 2015, by the way. 2015 it has been issued since 2015. And then you have the normal 
Well, it's probably just something in Linux or whatever. It's uh, it's not good, right? So you probably just want to look at Linux or install something that will that will make it. And then it was, well, maybe it's your DPI. Well, it's not the DPI. Right. Well, you know, maybe it's your mouse. Well, it's not the mouse. Well, maybe it's the scroll speed. Well, it's not the scroll speed. And so we finally, like in 20, 2018 or 2019, get to the point where, yeah, it actually looks like it is something. In, it took four years. It took four years. For anybody to even acknowledge that, oh, it might actually be a Chromium thing and that the the scrolling or whatever is not respected inside of Chromium. And so it's making it a little slower than the other browsers that exist. So 2020 comes and goes. Uh, 2021 comes and goes. People are changing it around, playing with the flags, messing with window.device-pixel ratio and all kinds of crazy stuff to try and speed it up just a little bit. And by the way, installing the add-on doesn't mm-hmm. work for Electron apps. No, oh, well, those are like the most most things that you're interacting with these days, it right. feels like. Yeah, if you're using uh, Slack or you're using, um, what's Riot, Element, you're using Discord, any of these applications that, yeah, that wow. you want to scroll up in, you get the slow scrolling anyway, so the, so the add-on's not going to fix that. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Right, and so 2021 comes and goes but you know for some particular for some weird reason in 2021 that's really when uh everybody starts being upset with uh the chromium thing because the the in the bug tracker you see lots of chatter about this and plus one for this to be fixed plus one for this to be fixed i mean you see it all the time please fix proper fix is paramount it's it's everywhere and finally december 13th uh there was a i almost changed from firefox to a chromium derivative brave Firefox has an annoying bug in the BBC website. But since this scrolling issue, it doesn't look like it's solved. It's back to Firefox. I mean, and then you had one, January 1st of 2022, plus one for this to be fixed. So won't fix. That's the status. That's what's going to happen. And every scrolling and everything Chromium is just going to be slow on Linux, not on par with Firefox, on Linux, not on par with any Chromium-based browser on Windows or Firefox on Windows, and it's not on par with any Chromium-based browser on macOS. So Chromium on Linux is the odd man out, the only one that behaves this way, and yet won't fix. Okay, won't use. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I can say. It's all I can do. I don't know what else to do. I mean, I I read long-form stuff all the time, and so it is... I want to get back to the top and I don't want to take my hand off the mouse. So I want to just scroll back up there, not take my hand off the mouse and click on home or use the page up key. Those go fast, but it's a marathon, Leo. It's a marathon for your finger. It is. You know what? I think maybe the Chromium devs are like, these guys index fingers are just not beefy enough. We need muscle mass on that hand. So here's how we're going to do it. We're going to make sure that, that Chromium scrolling is terrible in Linux. <laughs> uh, I've got the issue linked so you can read all of the fireworks inside there. How do you fix it? Do you like that scrolling? I, 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 I find it hard to believe that Chromium-based browsers in Linux are the only ones that behave like this anymore. And yet all the other browsers behave in a different way. Do you like the Chromium scrolling or do you just get by or do you not even notice? Dan, yeah. what do you think? Are are you because you use Vivaldi, so so you're in that camp. I, I am. I seem to get by. I turn up my my scrolling speed pretty high, probably globally anyway. 
Oh, okay. So I know that's not a great workaround, but um, I usually have it pretty high. Um, So, I mean, pages go pretty quick for me. But most of what I do is probably in a web browser. So I think the non... Right. Non-web browser things, no, having them go too fast, probably don't notice that now. Oh, it does make scrolling in my file manager a little tougher because you got to go a little slower, right? Look, all, all I'm saying is I, ha- I literally have a folder with 28,000 things in it. Okay, don't ask why. Don't, don't ask that. That I is just, a lot. I have it, okay? And when, when I want to scroll on something, I, I don't want to you know, do one click of the, the scrolly wheel scroll and go down 600 lines. I don't. <laughs> that's not a solution for me. So the add-on is the best way, but it doesn't affect Electron. And by mm. the way, I am Wheel is the name of that software that I was thinking of before that you can install on Linux and, and manipulate the global scroll wheel for desktop environments that do not have it. Though lots of desktop environments are including it now, so you don't need it anymore. But but I, I don't want to do that because it will also affect the way that Firefox scrolls. So I don't want to do that. And, you know, I don't want to fix something in Chromium for it to just break everywhere else. That's, nope. that's totally not what I want to do. So anyway, uh, <laughs> so uh, Josh, one of our producers says, uh, scrolleroids, that's uh, that's what your finger needs. And that's why it's going to get so beefy. Scrolleroids. So if we, we're, we're going to need that, by the way. <laughs> we're going to need that. Yeah. Uh, that, that might be part of the thumbnail now. Scrolleroids. Yep. It's going to be a beefy finger. Look at this. Beefy thing. Huh. Huh. Yeah, muscle. Muscle mass. Beefy. beefy. I, oh, yeah. there, hey, there. Yeah, there <laughs> We're going to have another one of those thumbnails, huh? <laughs> All right. <laughs> anyway, so I don't know. You got to tell me how you do it. How do you do it? How do you figure it out in Chromium or is that scroll speed fine? That's, I, I got to know. I got to know. I can't be the only one that's upset with this. Housekeeping? Housekeeping. The Linux and open source community has some fantastic resources, and we want to make sure to highlight that. In our showcase for this episode, we want to draw your attention to Crowbar Kernel Panic. So we Ooh, we, we talked about gaming earlier in the show, and we talked about Linux all the time. Um, so this is a great podcast that combines the two, Linux and gaming. So if you like both of those things, great, great show, um, great banter, a lot like this show. Actually, yeah, it, it very much is, isn't it? Yeah, just only they talk about, they focus solely on the, the Linux gaming, where we sometimes hit on it, but not all the time. Yeah, we, we spent a lot of time on Steam Deck, and it and it worked out because uh, yeah, that's they talk a lot about Steam Deck. They talk a lot about, uh, they have talked a lot about Valheim as well in the that's past. That's a great game. And really just all things gaming, what kind of platform they use. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think for Bo, a lot of times it falls to Arch or Linux Mint. And uh, actually, I don't remember what Josh is using here recently, but he's been on the OpenSUSE train for a little while. So mm-hmm. I-, I don't know if he does any of his gaming over there. He did Garuda for a little while too, I think. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. that's right. So yeah, I mean, th- this is a, uh, it comes out just like the show. It comes out in both uh, podcast form and in YouTube form. Mm-hmm. So you can see what they're scrolling on as they scroll on it. And it's just really good gaming content. I like the name, though. I think it's quite catchy. I think it's fantastic. And I remember the original conversation uh, that, that I was having with Bo when he was deciding on the name of this and the crowbar. 
Um, if I'm not mistaken, the crowbar in the name Crowbar Colonel Panic comes from Half-Life. Because in that okay. game, the very first weapon that you get is a crowbar because you ain't got nothing yeah. else. You're mm-hmm. in you're in like the scientific area and you gotta run around oh, yeah. smacking things with the crowbar, and then you, you fight the head crabs and all that stuff. Oh, and then yeah. Colonel Panic, I think the Colonel Panic is obviously well, yeah. where that comes from. But uh, you smush it all together and you end up with a Linux-based gaming show that is always worth a listen. So go check it out. Yep. A link will be in the show notes. Clicky clicky. Feel free to send your emails to contact at linuxuserspace.show and we can have a conversation about them on the show. We love our patrons. Actually, we got some new ones. Um, or we keep getting some new ones and that's fantastic. I know. <laughs> I think it's great. I keep adding them into the credits and, and oh, it's just, we love your support. We truly appreciate it. Thank you. Um, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Many thanks. If you want to join them, please head on over to Patreon.com slash Linux user space. Uh, come on over to our matrix room and uh, we'll have a conversation over there. Good stuff always uh, happening. Um, trying to think. We've had some good ones this week. Uh, Matthias has is, is been in there. and uh, Oh, man. Yeah. So he was actually talking about uh, traffic. Oh, really? Yeah. I, 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 so the, one that, the one that popped into my mind was the WireGuard conversation. Oh, that too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he was talking about traffic and about uh, some some better documentation he found. Ooh. So do, you know, good good stuff like that happens over there. I really I really liked the WireGuard conversation because mm-hmm. it got me to think again about, because I need to set up WireGuard one more time. And, and by the next episode, I should have uh, WireGuard up on the, the Pi 2 so I can do some benchmarking on it. But it got me to rethink what it, what, what, what actually goes into a configuration file and how you should actually set those oh, things yeah. up. Um, so, so yeah, and, and I mean, you gotta get that networking muscle flexed again, yep. uh, because WireGuard is very dependent on whether or not you can, you can get the network set just so, yep. um, but yeah, it was, it was a good conversation. I like that. It was, they were both good. So linuxuserspace.show slash matrix. Uh, we also have our telegram group. You can join us over there, linuxuserspace.show slash telegram. And if those aren't enough chat platforms for you, we also have our discord server. Linuxuserspace.show slash Discord. That's also where you get your Patreon perks. And uh, mm-hmm. if you uh, if you're in the producer tier, as Josh is, you can sit in while we're recording. Watch this live as we do it, and uh, laugh at us when we make mistakes and have to do it all over again. Yes, yeah, all the things, all the warts, they're all there. Please follow us on Twitter at Linux user space to get all the latest announcements for this show and for highlights for things that impact your user space. You can watch our faces on YouTube, linuxuserspace.show slash YouTube. And we also have our subreddit, linuxuserspace.show slash Reddit. Those, those two things are getting a little more traction these days, and I appreciate that. Reddit is a lot of fun. We're posting our news and show topics over there, and you can uh, upvote and uh, follow the links. Yep, it's an easy place to uh, not let the news get lost because in in chats, like especially like in Telegram, like you post something and then it's gone in mm-hmm. an hour because you know somebody said eight things. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, it's easy to keep track there. No, it's it's pretty great stuff. Uh, lastly, don't forget to rate this podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast application, and like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube. You can always get more information on our website, linuxuserspace.show. 
Right, it's time to focus. Here we go. And actually, actually, there's a focus mode in yeah. this app. This app, this app really actually does. It helps let you focus. You focus. Yes. So this app today is apostrophe. Okay. So th- this is a this is a writing app. It's a, it's a, it's an app for if you like to write in any capacity whatsoever in Markdown, apostrophe is your thing. So I do a ton. Uh, we use uh, HedgeDoc to deal with all of our show notes and stuff. Right. I use uh, Markdown personally for jotting down stuff that I need to remember, like, you know, shopping lists, things like that, simple things like that. Um, but I also use it to, when, when I'm getting ready to post something long form, I will, uh, I'll put it in markdown first and 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 typically i would use vs code Mm -hmm. for this application and then copy the preview wherever i need it to go um but apostrophe okay so why apostrophe it's it's i mean it's a note-taking application that works exclusively with markdown and it's different styles. So one of the things that you can do with apostrophe is go in and say, I want the GitHub style or right. there's like and four or five different. other styles. Yeah, oh, yeah. Right. Because does an enter, uh, does a carriage return mean that you're starting mm-hmm. a new line or right. So yeah, so there, there are different flavors and it lets you choose between them. But I think the, the coolest part uh, is that it will also export. So it won't just give you a markdown like this right. code will. Uh, it will also export a PDF. A EPUB, an HTML, ODT, LaTeX for you mathematicians, and well, I don't know anybody that uses LaTeX. I just know mathematicians like to use LaTeX and stuff. It's got because, a lot of you know, formula-based stuff, right? Like yeah. all kinds of those mm. weird. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I'm I'm not smart enough in math to to know what those things are called. Sigma, that's one of them. But I, that's <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So the reason that you would want it, uh, the reason that I want it, is because when you start writing. The interface gets out of your way. Like, it doesn't just get out of your way. It vanishes. And it'll come back if you put your mouse in the area where it would be. But I have a problem getting distracted. It is something that I've battled with forever. And when I can find an application, and, and actually, this is, this is a reason why I'm starting to warm up to the idea of workspaces in Linux, the multiple mm. virtual desktops and stuff, uh, because I can full screen something and mm-hmm. focus on it, and then swipe to something else. Um, and that's why I think GNOME is growing on me a lot, because they have those those uh, swipey, swipey gestures and stuff. But anyway, it, it, it'll vanish, and it, it will let you just focus on what you're doing. And that's, that's really, really important to me, because as I said before, I'll get distracted easily. I mean, oh, there's a tab open on my browser that's peeking over the thing that I'm trying to do. And oh, let me just right. click on that real quick. And then 20 minutes go by and I'm like, I haven't got oh, any yeah. work done. <laughs> yeah. So I'm right there with you. So you're not alone. Yeah. And it's available in Flatpak and I love me some Flatpaks. So you can get the latest, greatest version of it absolutely anywhere that you can use a Flatpak. But because we were talking about NixOS, it's in the NixOS store. Yep. It's also in the Fedora uh, repositories. And of course, it's in the AUR. So almost everywhere. I have a feeling it'll be in the Ubuntu repos eventually, but it's not there yet. Maybe it's in maybe it's in the if you hopped on Rolling Rhino or um, well, you know whatever. Maybe, maybe I'll look at stuff. that while you keep talking. Ah, oh, take a peek, take a peek. Anyway, uh, so the way that I use it, right? I mean, 
I came from using VS Code. That's the thing, right? Like I would just full screen VS Code. I would turn on the little preview. I would start writing in the left and it would show me all the pretty stuff in the right. And I, like I said, I was able to just copy paste that straight into WordPress or anywhere else that deals with um, your general web idea of there's different levels of headings, there are links and images and things like that. Um, and drag and drop images. That's something that VS Code cannot do. So if you write with images, you can drag and drop them. Now, this is not something that will easily copy paste over somewhere else, but uh, you can easily just smack the image right back in there. So um, you can also uh, swap those markdown standards as I was talking about before, mm -hmm. which is really kind of nice. And in VS Code, if I'm not mistaken, that's GitHub flavor. I think so, yeah. That yeah, you only get that flavor. I mean, surely there's a plugin you can install. Yeah, there's a lot will... of extensions for VS Code. Right. Like they got something for everything, but yeah. Exactly. But but you know the 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 coolest thing about apostrophe is that there's not eight plugins that you have to install. Yeah, uh, no, right it's off very the bat simple. Yeah. To get it working the way you want. So, I I think the fact that it just gets out of your way and is usable right off the bat. Maybe you check a box or uncheck a box. Uh, maybe you want to uncheck that Hemingway box. <laughs> <laughs> so Hemingway is a mode that you can turn on that that um, is meant for you to just write. No backspace key. Nothing. No. Just write. M mistakes and all. Go back and edit it later. Just write. Uh, so you can turn that on and the backspace key is disabled. But So, um, so that's like pen mode without, you, you know, yeah. not, not pencil mode. No eraser. Exactly. Yeah, you can't flip <laughs> that thing over. There's no erase button. You got you got to get that 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 chonky eraser that like ruins the paper if you yeah. want to go back. Yeah, you can't do that. So, um, but but yeah, that, that's kind of the idea, right? So as as I'm preparing to to publish something, I write it in mm -hmm. apostrophe here lately, and I'm able to just copy paste it wherever I want it to go. So there's one thing, there's one thing that I wish apostrophe had that VS Code already does and that is if you open up vs code and you start writing you choose markdown you're right you're right you're right you're right you're right and you close the window mm. or something crazy happens and you lose power or your battery runs mm. out and the, the laptop is like pew vs code will remember yeah. it has a dynamic save system it doesn't save it to the file but it remembers it internally it uses temporary files to remember what was on the page so it brings it right back up it does apostrophe doesn't do that you gotta save it so i mean you know i got i got my all right control s every time i think about it because i do it in caden live right every few yeah. minutes every time i think about it control s control s control s control s because well yeah and i complained about it one time uh caden live control q will quit caden live and so if you accidentally like slip between s and q so you hit s and q it like immediately pew then you gotta bring it all back up they but, are kind of close on the keyboard yeah, yeah, that that's my thing, right? I mean, I'm just smacking the key real quick. Um, yeah, so it's gotten me a couple times. But anyway, I wish Apostrophe had like a dynamic save kind of system. That's not the end of the world, no. Yeah, I'm okay with, with hitting Control S a few times. Uh, you know, every time I think about it, every time I do, you know, 30 words. Mm -hmm. Control S because I'm thinking about what I want to say anyway and I'm kind of distracted. So Control S and then I'll start, I'll start flowing again or whatever. Right. But, um, but yeah, that's, that's serious. That's the only thing I can think that apostrophe could use that, that would make it a hundred percent for me right now. It's like 99.5%. That's the only thing I can think that I could add to it that, that would make it even better. But as of right now, 
it's great. All right. I mean, we ha- had to. At the, at the top of the apostrophe GitHub, once you start reading that readme, the first thing that you're going to see is a little icon. And what does it say? It says, uh, don't theme my app. Oh, yes, it does say that. <laughs> it's one of those. But you know what? It comes with a bunch of themes. Well, right. It, it comes with a Sapia theme. It comes with a white theme. And it comes with a dark theme. I mean, if you know what a way to light and dark look like, you know what two thirds of the theme looks like. Which is, honestly, I'm fine with as long as you've got some options. Well, and on top of that, the the title bar goes away, mm-hmm. so you, yeah, don't you don't even see it. see it. You're not distracted by it or anything like that. And I mean, honestly, I think it way it looks pretty. It looks good enough that I'm not. It it doesn't bug me that much one way or the other. Well, it doesn't match most of my system, but I can get over it. Well, that's what I'm saying. It doesn't. It doesn't integrate with my system. But again, that title bar goes away anyway, so it's, it doesn't really matter. But it is one of those that depends on libidweta. So if you install it via Flatpak, it's Edweta. Yeah. But that's okay, I think, in general. I think so. I think, yeah. I think they do do some work towards at least giving you a couple options there. So it's not the end of the world either. Yeah, definitely. So if you are a writer of any kind, even if it's just quick notes to jot down or something like that, and you like yourself some markdown, um, go check out Apostrophe. Yeah. It's It's worth writing one thing in it i mean not one word you know go 100 <laughs> words go 100 words throw a couple titles in there and see how you like it i think it's fantastic it's a super lightweight app i really hate going on the web using the extra battery power mm. that a browser would use to do markdown so even for this show i'll write some of my notes in apostrophe and then i'll just copy paste copy them straight paste into more. into hedgedoc yeah so it's a one to one thing i don't ha- it doesn't have to be either or I use both. Mm-hmm. If you're a writer, let me know what you think. Or even if you just write things. I think we all write things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you use apostrophe, let me know how you get on with it. It's a, it's a really good app, I think. So today's the first day I, I learned about this. Ah. So, so Leo today you in. learned. Today I learned. And I think it's pretty cool. I, I write a lot of Markdown stuff myself. And I, I write a lot of my meeting notes in Markdown. So I go into a meeting. I'm, oh. I'm, I'm doing like bulleted lists probably in in like markdown with uh, and then I'll put some headings in here and there and you know depending on where I'm at in the meeting so I I don't know I've just trained my brain to to work uh work that way for meeting notes for my own personal self and mm-hmm. I think it kind of helps my organization so I think So what what markdown editor do you use now? Uh VS Code. Oh okay so you're you're exactly <laughs> like I am all right. <laughs> so I'm I'm liking this better because I think it's a better app for just doing markdown things, right? So um I I like the fact that it it'll uh give you an EPUB. I, I think yes. that that that's gonna be nice for you know like my tablet and stuff so I can read back through my notes and exactly. EPUB format. The great thing about EPUB is it's way better than PDF because with an EPUB, like you can just increase the size of the text and it doesn't like make you have to scroll all over the place like a P, like a PDF would. So, yeah, it just gives you options that you don't have in VS Code or that you would have to install, like, 28 plugins yeah. to make VS Code that functional. So, it, yeah, ah, oh, man, it, it's, it's got so, some stuff. It's just I'm, got some good stuff. I'm kind of excited about it, Leo. I am. I'm going to be using okay. this, at least for a little while. All right. You let me know. You, you know, Maybe next episode or the episode yeah. after. Maybe the, maybe the season finale. Maybe that's, maybe oh, that's maybe, what we do. Yeah. You come back and tell me yay or nay on apostrophe or something. But I'm, I'm, I really am curious. It's, it's, a, it was a, one of those sleeper apps that I just stumbled across 
because I was looking at the No Maps yeah. website. And I don't know and, how we missed it before because yeah. we went over that like a few times. And, it's been uh, around for a while. Yeah. 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 So I'm, I'm excited. All right. That brings us to next time. Um, so next time on the show, we'll be wrapping up our journey with MX Linux. How much better can you make Debian? I think is the question we're going to have to answer. Well, we haven't like, I don't know. So one of the, one of the distros that we do want to do eventually is, is Debian itself. But we were admittedly trying to take it a little easy on ourselves too, because we didn't want to have to write yeah. out all that history because we all know that oh, Debian's been around boy. a while and had a ton of history. So um, we went MX Linux, which is, Nah, it's still got a bunch of history, so we're still gonna have a bunch well, of show. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the excuse that MX isn't technically Mepis or technically Antics, so we can we can touch on that, but you know, mostly gloss over. We'll we'll deal with those. Yeah, it's not either, but it's still been around a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I don't know. Great. Um, I'm having a great time. I think it's it's been been good. I think it's this is definitely a relevant distro that we need to check so i it, it was a speaking of sleeper things like it just never crossed my mind to use mx linux and now that i'm using it i'm like why have i never used mx linux yeah stay tuned this is it's gonna be a good one I, uh, it's a good one so so which spin did you go with leo i'm curious about that well the kde one i knew it yeah, I know. Uh, but the the thing that I haven't done yet that I do plan on doing is, uh, you had mentioned it as well, mm -hmm. using Fluxbox mm -hmm. on the, the lowest powered computer you can get your hands mm -hmm. on. Yes. So that's going to be something uh, I, I need to do because I think you get a sense for MX no matter which one you use. Oh, yes. But I, I want to see just how well MX Linux Fluxbox runs on that uh that little hp stream that i've been oh, using off and on so that's good i will we'll both come back with uh similar experiences then because i'm i'm doing the plasma one too i i had done the xfce version a couple times ago anyway when i had tested it out so i'm familiar ish with that and i don't think too much has changed there it's xfce um, but I had never checked out the plasma variant of MX, so I'm I'm glad I'm I'm messing with that. So having a good time. Next show, we will wrap it up. Thank you everybody for listening and for your support. Uh where can we find you, Leo? You can find me at Leo Chavez on Twitter. And you can find me at KC2BEZ. Join us in two weeks when we return to the Linux user space. Perfect. And then I'll get the TikToks that like bubble up on Reddit. So that's, that's basically the only exposure I have to it. Uh, also dances, um, I avoid those, but that's also a thing. So yep. I'm yep. Yep. not much of a dancer, so that's probably not going to go over very well. Uh, no, no, me neither. I don't imagine there's even a Linux dance to do. I don't think anybody wants to see that if I did.
you know what? You say that now, Dan. Now I kind of feel like I want to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll do it too, man. I'll, uh, <laughs> it'll be it'll be equally terrible, I promise. <laughs> uh, but now, now I'm wondering. I'm wondering what would uh, Dan's tech tick talk dance be? I have no idea. <laughs> Just do the safety dance. The huh? safety dance. That's a good idea. I don't even know what dance that is. I don't is. know what that is either. I, but I, I'm gonna have to look at it. Is it that one? You could dance if you want to. Is that the safety dance? I don't know. Oh, it is. Okay, great, great. Um, I don't know what I have just agreed to. I'm I don't scared. know what you agree to I'm, either. I'm scared now. I'm scared.